Namaste and greetings, Unity of Gaithersburg. Thank you so much for once again availing me the opportunity to share some time with you. And as always, my beloved brother, Reverend Ogan, thank you for availing me this opportunity as well. Today, we are going to chat about this idea of renewing new thought. Okay, take that in for a second. Renewing new thought. And if I were to ask any of us who are gathered here today, when did the term new thought sort of, you know, more or less, when did it officially become part of our lexicon in, in the way that we use it to mean a certain spiritual or religious teaching, a philosophy, a way of life? When did that term generally, because it depends on who you ask, like some of the dates may tweak and change, but generally, when did that come into being? I'm, I'm going to pause and let you marinate on that for a second. And the answer is, if you said or thought Phineas Parkhurst Quimby, somewhere around the 19th century, eh, 18. 58, 1859-ish, somewhere around about, because he is labeled as, or he is given credit for being the founder of, or the father of new thought. So it's been around for a minute. And yet the question that comes is, okay, that was 1850 something. It's 2022 right now, right? Cause I'm still doing COVID years. It's 2022, okay. So it's been quite a while. What's new? Like right here and right now, what's new about new thought? Are we still recycling the same old quotes, the same old phrases, the same old passages, the same old way? You know, when I was a Christian, fundamental Christian, even before becoming an ordained Christian minister, I had this idea, this question. We say the same Bible passages in the same way. We never really dive in and do an exegesis of this text. What, why not? This was written for people who, like, they didn't have phones. It's a different era now, different politics, different system of different foods, different clothing, and we still reciting this like it was yesterday. What's new about new thought? Well, according to Wikipedia, a very trusted source, no, according to Wikipedia, because they give, give this nice little condensed version of the chief tenets of new thought. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, the chief tenets of new thought include this idea of infinite intelligence or God, that it is omnipotent and omnipresent. Okay, infinite intelligence, God, omnipotent and omnipresent. Okay, then spirit is the ultimate reality. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. The true human self or selfhood is divine. Okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still with you, I got you. Uh, then there's divinely attuned thought is a, and I don't like this next word, but divinely attuned thought is a positive force for good. I don't like using these terms positive and negative anymore. Like I've 
worked on shifting that because positive and negative, there are times when positive is actually the bad thing. Well, you tested positive for COVID. That's not, you tested positive. That's, that's not a good thing. And we use positive like it's universally good and negative as if it's universally bad, even though yin yang, right? So divinely attuned thought is a life affirming force for good. Okay. Now here, here we now pause on this one because this one, woo, they getting into some, some metaphysical bypass with this one, but let's keep in mind, this is why I say what's new now about new thought. Because the founders of agreed with this idea that all disease is mental in origin. Now, unless you're talking Kabbalion, where it says this is a mental universe, well, if it's a mental universe and all is mind, then yeah, all disease is mental in origin because like that's, that's where we're coming from. So it's all the same thing. All disease is um, rooted in spirit in some way because there is only that which God is. So that means whatever is happening. So I recently had a tooth extracted and there was an infection, but the thing that creates infection is created in the body, germs and viruses and all that stuff, but God is all there is. So even those germs and viruses, et cetera, et cetera, that create infection are still within the allness that is God. And when that imbalance happens, boom, infection, boom, disease, et cetera. But all disease is mental in origin. And we know that people have used that to mean what was in your consciousness. You caused that. You must have been thinking about that. Mm. And then lastly, Wikipedia says one of the chief tenets is that right thinking, right? Right thinking has a healing effect. So we would, we would have to break down this idea of right thinking. Maybe it's effective thinking, maybe it's thinking in, in alignment with health, wholeness, and well-being, because then that causes certain actions, but that's, that's par for the course for, for this present moment, because what I want to do is shift into this idea of what does any of that mean, and not only what does it mean intellectually, because we can pontificate and marinate and meditate and conjugate and you know all that stuff for eons because people have but it doesn't do anything until it becomes a practice so if i were to say the practice of right thinking has a healing effect then what is the practice what is the thing i am doing what is the action it is calling me to do because of this thing that i believe if i believe that effective thinking has a healing effect, then what do I do to ensure that I am thinking rightly? Thinking in a manner that is healthy and well, like whatever that is, what am I demonstrating? What is the evidence within my life based upon my beliefs? Now we could do the same thing with the five principles of unity. There is only one power and one presence in through and as the universe, God the good, it is active in my life, okay? What does that mean? And what does it look like to practice that as a belief? So our essence is of God. Therefore, we are all inherently good. Even, even the person who just joined the KKK? Yes, even they are inherently good. And yet their actions, 
right? So we would really have to, because then we say, well, the actions, same thing, infection, what am I called to do to restore homeostasis and health and well-being to my body temple? Racism, sexism, all that stuff is an imbalance. It is an infection. If I am saying that all the essence is of God and that all people are inherently good, then when I see something or someone who is out of balance with an infection, I am called, invited to do something, to think rightly because right thinking has a healing effect and right action, right? Follow me, follow me, okay? So anyhow, go on to say this, this God essence called Christ was fully expressed in the personhood of Jesus. And that same Christness, Christhood, Christ consciousness is inherent within all of us. The spark of divinity is within everyone. What does it mean to live that, practice that, to make it a lived, breathed, engaged and embodied practice? And we could do this with all five of the principles. The idea is renew new thought. Don't simply requote. Don't simply re-eat the same meal that, so, uh, you know, Ogan had me over for dinner uh, for my birthday, March 25th, 1972. And it was a huge banquet, huge banquet. And I'm still eating the leftovers today. Yeah, is it no wonder that I had an infection in my tooth? The food is how old? At some point, it's time to, you can make the same recipe. It's the same lasagna recipe, but it's not the same lasagna from 1972. It shouldn't be the same repetitious words after words after words. It should be renewed, resuscitated, reinvigorated, resurrected as a new life, new thought, truly new thought. So if we're going to say God is good and we're going to say people are good and we're going to say thoughts create our experiences and we're going to say prayer affords us connection and we're going to say that action is needed because you will know them by their fruits. Faith without works is dead. If we're going to say this, then we're invited to a completely different level of how we show up. What do I truly believe in? Because whatever I believe in is what's going to show up in my life. How is my daily practice impacting the world? How am I being a beneficial presence in the world? Like that's the question we could all ask every morning, every evening, today, before I go to, go to sleep. In what way did I make the world a better place? Even if it was one person. It doesn't have to be, you know, some grand, I must be like... No, no, do what is yours to do in the way that it is yours to do it. And the impact that there is only one mind and that mind is God. There is only one life and that life is God. And anything that Reverend Ogan prays about anything affects everything. Anything that I meditate, peace, 
well-being for my life. That's my meditation for today. But there is no my life separate from your life. So when I am meditating for my own health and well-being, the energy of that, which exists within the, the all-encompassing allness, affects everyone in the same way that if I, not that I do this, but if I overspritz myself with cologne and give you a hug and we separate and you're halfway home, you still smell me because the meditation, the prayer, the love, the energy is contagious in that way. So we do nothing that does not impact. But the invitation is to consciously, proactively engage our spiritual practice to say, what am I effectively doing right here and right now to change my paradigms, my consciousness, and, th and that of those around me in terms of how it affects and how it shows up and manifests as the infection of racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, etc. Because if I'm not doing anything about any of that within myself, then what am I really doing? Right? So the invitation is to actively engage in our practice. This idea of rugged individualism, it, it, it's become far too easy for rugged individualism to simply mean that's not my problem. That's not my practice. You're supposed to focus on the good and only the good. You're supposed to focus on what you're for, not what you're against. Okay. Oh, and let's not forget the pick yourself up by your own metaphysical bootstraps. See, that's, that's not unity. That's not togetherness. That's isolation and separation. I do me, you do you. And yet, did Yeshua not teach us a, a very important lesson in the story of the Good Samaritan, where this person is robbed and beaten and left at the side of the road for dead, and many of the, 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 the pious people, the religious, the sanctimonious people looked and walked away and said, it's not my business. Until this person who felt their spiritual imperative say, yeah, this is my business. This is my business. It's, it's not the whole Cain and Abel thing of, I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. I am my non-gender conforming siblings keeper, but I am them. They are me. There is only one. There is only one. So what exactly are we doing? See, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says in uh, Letters from a Birmingham Jail, I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the KKK, but rather it is the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. The one who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal that you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods. 
I cannot agree with your methods, the actions you are taking, I cannot agree, who feel that they can set a timetable for another man's freedom. Just be patient and wait. The one who lives by the myth of time, who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. And he goes on. So if you're not familiar with the letter, I, I invite you to read it because the idea is same thing Gandhi said when he said, when I despair, I remember that all throughout history, the way of truth and love has always won and prevailed. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time, they seem to be invincible and untouchable, but in the end, they always fall. Think of it, always. Now, for me, I want us to renew new thought to such a degree that we have elevated all of those people who are infected by the infection, the disease, the, the mal, malware of, I must be a tyrant, I must be a dictator, I must be, I must be, so that we are creating the container in which the group consciousness, the collective consciousness that embraces all. So no child need experience bullying and othering because of a speech impediment or because it's a single parent household or whatever it is, because we are so enveloped in the concept and the consciousness of it takes a village to raise a child. And we're all someone's children. So in the same way that King is saying, don't be in the Bible, it says, you know, be hot or be cold. Don't do this lukewarm thing. King is saying that moderate, that lukewarm, that I'm not taking a stand, I'm not taking a stance, I have no position other than, as he called it, the negative piece. This idea of, eh, just, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, don't trouble the waters. And yet it is precisely in the troubled waters that healing occurs. It is precisely the agitator in the washing machine that washes the clothes. So if we're going to have new thought and renewed new thought, then we are invited to a whole new level of active engagement in our teaching, our philosophy, not just in our heads, not just in our hearts, but in our bodies, in our hands, in our feet, in our pews and chairs, in our sanctuaries and classrooms, in our town halls and school boards and, and, and. Because until every police station and every courthouse and every penitentiary and every one of these government buildings, Capitol, White House, etc., are filled with the vibrancy and energy of what we are knowing that God is, then we are going to continue to take bites of that lasagna from 1812. We are going to continue to have to put some kind of salve on the wounds that the chains from the transatlantic slave trade have given ancestral wounds that are still felt somewhere in the being of the black and brown body. We must demand and be convicted of a completely new thought in the way that Yeshua was convicted, in the way that King and Gandhi 
convicted, in the way that the Greensboro Four convicted, in the way that people were convicted, Medgar Evers, convicted Malcolm X, convicted Audre Lorde, convicted Reverend Dr. Pauli Murray, convicted and said, not on my watch, not on my watch. If I know that God is all there is, and I know it is possible to heal and restore, then as King said, if the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. This begins with each of us right here and right now, recapturing, renewing the prophetic zeal, the power of new thought. The, the power that says, I am that I am. And because I am that, I know that my words have power. I know that my thoughts have power. I know that my feelings have power. And I know that my actions have power. I know that by my mental equivalent, I change my life experience and by effect, the life experience of all. Because nothing happens in isolation when God is a circle, circumference nowhere, center everywhere. We are invited deeply to do the work, to passionately do the work, to lovingly do the work, and unapologetically do the work, individually and collectively. And so we breathe. We breathe as we enter into that space that consciousness of meditation where we allow all that is as spirit to speak to and through and as us. And so we breathe, realizing we cannot rebreathe yesterday's breath or pre-breathe tomorrow's breath or save a breath for a rainy day. We can only this divine and holy ruach, breath of God breathing itself, inhale. Exhale. Breathe, recognizing that there is no space where God is not. There is nowhere to go to find more God other than right where we are now. Simply inhaling and exhaling. 
allowing the renewing of our minds, the renewing of our thoughts, the renewing of our beliefs and paradigms and consciousness, the renewing in the same way that we upgrade our phones and upgrade a car and upgrade technology, a laptop or a PC or some software, upgrade our beliefs, upgrade our awareness, recognizing that this omnipotent Thing that we call God as a as a power, God being omnipotent. Actually, God is omnipotence itself that expresses as that which is omnipotent, and that that power must be ours. Breathe. There is that part of us that is omnipotence itself, omnipresence itself, omniscience itself. The infinite wisdom of creation is available to all of creation, including these individualized expressions that we call our lives. Breathe. I am that. Love. I am that. I am. Powerful. I am that I am. Living, moving, and having my beingness conscious of the Christ mind. I am that. I am. Breathe. Grateful. Joyful. Purposeful. I am that. I am. So as we exit this particular meditation, we understand and we recognize that this consciousness that we just anchored into is always available, simply a breath away, a thought away. And at the moment we think, I am that, I am, I am aligned, I am awake, I am aware, I am. We aren't creating it to be so. We are acknowledging and recognizing what already is the truth of our being. And so we breathe and bring ourselves back to the chair and the room, the person to our left and our right before and behind us, the smell in the room, the sound of laughter outside, whatever is around us, 
we bring our minds back to it, our awareness back to it, and our senses back to it. And when ready, we open our eyes. I am grateful for every one of you and the work you are doing, and I can't wait until we get to do this live and in person. I love you, and I will see you soon. Blessings. Take care. <laughs>